0: around uh, Troy United Methodist Church, we've been uh, taking a look at this very familiar Christmas story uh, from kind of a different perspective. We've been exploring how, how this first Christmas was so filled with unexpected events. The people of God, kind of as a backdrop, the people of God had, had endured generations of God's seeming silence. God's uh, absence, it felt like, for those uh, first century people of God. Uh, and then all of a sudden, God, God just started showing up. Uh, a virgin conceiving, angels appearing, a, a new star rising. You, you had these seemingly insignificant people being invited into the greatest story that, that God ever told. Uh, uh, a carpenter, uh, a young girl, lowly shepherds. And as a congregation, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, tuning in. We've been trying to listen to God's unexpected voice and uh, seeing that oftentimes God calls us out of our comfort zones and and takes us on unexpected journeys in order to give us unexpected gifts, uh, the greatest of which we are here together this evening to, to celebrate the gift of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And this, of course, was a fulfillment of of God's unexpected promise that He made to Mary so long ago, but for all of these unexpected things, I want to make thing, one very cle- one thing very clear: uh, you being here is is not unexpected. Uh, we as a church have been preparing this worship service uh, with you in mind, uh, uh, just a- anticipating your presence here. We've been uh, praying as a staff for you to encounter God in a genuine way, no matter what your background, what what your belief systems are, what what kind of baggage you've experienced and you kind of carry um, in your life, Uh, we've we've been uh, praying and and asking that that God would help you experience Emmanuel, God with you, Uh, no matter whether you're a longtime churchgoer or you are here for the very first time in a church tonight, Uh, whether or not you have been looking forward to Christmas Eve worship with your church for weeks, maybe months, maybe even a year since last year. Who knows? Or uh, you were drug here against your will today, which I know that still happens on occasion. So, so try not to give uh, your husband or wife or grandma or anything an elbow. Uh, but, but we're really glad that you're here. And 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 not not only are we glad that you're here, uh, and your presence isn't unexpected to us. Really, I believe that that God has anticipated you being here tonight, and. Uh, and desires to draw you closer to Jesus. So how will you respond? Tonight we're going to take a look at one set of unexpected responses within that first Christmas story. But of course, uh, this is uh, my very first Christmas uh, with Troy United Methodist Church as, as a senior pastor here in this congregation, and in case uh, we haven't met yet, uh, I know I gave you my Magi name and, and my actual name, Andy, uh, but I wanted to introduce you briefly uh, to my family. I, I have a picture of them up here on the screen. Uh, this is from last Christmas. Uh, my, my wife, Amy Jo, of a little over 17 years, and our daughter, Anna, is eight and our, our son Andrew is 10. They, they sang here at our last worship service, the 4 o'clock. The kids sang for us. And, um, uh, but but uh, th- those of you who have uh, kids who are younger, you remember back to when your kids were younger. Maybe you have gra- grandkids who are uh, my kids' age and younger. You, maybe you had the tradition that, that we've had up until the most recent years. And that is kind of you know going to the mall and taking your kids to see Santa. Anybody else do this? Uh, where, where you stand in line for... <laughs> Lord, uh, long amounts of time with a toddler just crying. and uh, Well, we did this uh, a few years back. One, one time in particular, uh, before Anna was born, before she was a part of our family, we took Andrew as a toddler to go see uh, the, the chief elf himself, uh, jolly old St. Nick. Uh, we, we took him out to the mall, and, and we stood in line for, it had to have been 45 minutes, and, and he was, wasn't quite two yet, he was maybe one and a half or so, a little over one, and and he had quite an unexpected response to Santa. Uh, uh, let me tell you this about Andrew. He's, uh, as a baby, uh, he loved uh, other, all people. He just lo- we, we sometimes felt a little jealous because we could just hand him off to anybody, and, and he would have a great old time. <laughs> and, and so we, we anticipated he'd have a great time with Santa, but, but we set him right down on Santa's lap and, and expected that he, he would uh, love it, and he turned... And out of the corner of his eye, just enough to see that big white beard and let out the most terrified scream uh, that we had ever heard him make in his uh, short little life. And, and so we tried our best to get a picture. Um, here's, here's the best that I could do. I was the picture taker that day. There's my wife holding a- Andrew, and he is hollering, and Amy Jo's laughing, and, and there's Santa. You know, he's seen this a hundred times a day, uh, so he's just smiling, thinking this is great. Uh, but but uh, Andrew, and just a, thankfully, a, a last week, last Saturday at our kids' Christmas workshop here at church, Andrew got another chance to sit on Santa's lap. And his response was a, a, a little more expected. Uh, maybe, maybe, there it is. See, uh, he, he didn't cry that time. Maybe it's because he's the same size as Santa. I, I, I don't know. Uh, that might be his last time on Santa's lap. We'll see. But uh, now in the end, Andrew's unexpected response to Santa so long ago uh, isn't really that significant. It, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life. But you and I both know that that isn't the case with most of the responses that we have to make in this life. You and I both know that our responses to, to the big things, as well as the small things, really do matter. If you don't believe me, just ask the rookie husband who, whose wife uh, asked him to respond to this question. Do these jeans make me look fat? Guys, uh, your responses really really matter. Uh, they matter in the small things, like how we respond to not finding a close parking spot at the Christmas Eve worship service. Uh, you probably don't want to lose your cool here in the church parking lot, do you? Uh, they, they matter in the small things. They, they matter. Kids, if, if you're here and you're listening to me, uh, your response matters if you don't get the gift that you really, really wanted for Christmas uh, tomorrow morning. And, and for everybody, you know that your response matters if you get a gift that you never ever wanted. Uh, we know that our responses matter. Like the four-word response you expect when you tell someone, I love you. And that those four words aren't, I really love chocolate. No, you, you want to hear, I love you too. Uh, or the small three-letter word returned uh, when you get the courage up to ask, uh, pop the big question. Uh, you only want to hear the word yes. No other response will suffice. Uh, our responses matter. Our responses can dictate the twists and turns the rest of our lives take. Let's face it, some of, some of you uh, uh, have responded poorly in your past, and, and you've been suffering the consequences e- ever since. And, and for many of us, the way that we respond to circumstances in our lives today is largely influenced by the way others uh, had responded in our lives in the past. I mean, think about it. Maybe you've learned things about yourself like, hey, I, I recognize I get a little defensive when, when you criticize or critique something about me because way back when this happened. Or, hey, I, I recognize that I don't put myself out there very often because uh, one time, uh, long ago, somebody rejected me. No responses matter. They can shape the direction your life takes. So if that's the case with, the little things, and it's certainly the case with the big things, then what about the massive things? What about those, like when dad died? Or when she said, I'm leaving you? Or when your business failed? Or you were fired? Or you heard these words uttered? It's cancer. And when you come to a a crossroad like that in your life, and and just in a, in a group this size, chances are there are at least a few of you who are at one of those crossroads in your life right now. When you're at a crossroad like that in your life, your response really, really matters. Some, some of the choices you can make can lead you on a path closer to God and into a deeper, more profound relationship with God. Uh, and other choices that you make can lead you down a dark path. Uh, uh, to places of despair and hopelessness. Your responses really matter. And the most important response you'll ever make is how you respond to Jesus. H- how do you respond to the the news, the good news that you matter to God? Or to the truth that, that Jesus really is who he said he was, that he is God in the flesh, and he wasn't just born in a manger so long ago, but he grew up to to die on a cross so that you and I could be adopted into God's family? How do you respond to that good news and to those truths? As a pastor, I, I've seen countless people respond positively to that truth and, and, and um, seek God with their whole heart. But to be completely honest, I've, I've seen just as many or maybe even more people respond by, by turning their hearts away from God. And and to be completely honest, uh, it's oftentimes quite unexpected to me who responds with an open heart and who responds with a closed-off heart. It was that way throughout Jesus' life, too, wasn't it? You would have... Uh, expected that the religious people of jesus day that those those who were really pursuing god wanting to uh, be devoted to god's ways you would have expected that those people would respond positively to jesus but they rarely did oftentimes they were threatened by jesus teaching jesus really didn't care so much for their self-righteous squeaky clean image And he desired a humble and contrite heart, an acknowledgement of their desperate need for a savior. Uh, On the flip side, you would have expected the roughnecks, those who were religious outcasts, those who had a past, who were unclean, and whose very lifestyles kind of uh, dictated that they were obvious sinners. You would have expected them to want nothing to do with this new rabbi on the scene, Jesus or his teachings. And yet they were the ones who were most open to his teachings. So often it was the religious insiders who rejected Jesus and the outsiders who embraced him. And that wasn't just the case during Jesus' adult life. I mean, it was also the case in the events surrounding Jesus' birth. I mean, just take a look at the people who God chooses. An insignificant, unwed couple. Uh, 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 Some poor, undereducated, blue-collar working shepherds. They responded unexpectedly to God's call in their lives, even though they didn't have the culturally preferred resume. But my favorite unexpected response came from those with an even less likely pedigree, particularly a less likely religious pedigree. You see, at least Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, they were all Jewish. They were all part of God's chosen people, but not the wise men, not the magi, They were of an entirely different religion from a far off land. And maybe that's why I love their story so much. Here were some outsiders finding their way to Jesus. Take just a moment to hear their story from the scriptures.
1: After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod we magi from the east came to Jerusalem and we asked where is the one who is born King of the Jews we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him
2: when King Herod heard this he was disturbed as was all Jerusalem after he gathered the chief priests And the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Christ child to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel.
1: Then Herod called us secretly, and he found out from us the exact time the star had appeared. He sent us to Bethlehem, and he said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I, too, may go and worship him. After we heard the king say that, we were skeptical. But we went on our
2: way. The star that we had seen in the east stayed ahead of us, night after night, until one evening, it stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when we saw the star, we were overjoyed.
1: On coming to the house, we saw the child with his mother, Mary, and we bowed down and worshiped him.
2: And then we opened up our treasures. The look on Mary's face was a sight to behold. We presented him with radiant gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, we returned to our country by another route.
1: We were never the same men again. We were called by a sign. Instructed by Scripture.
2: And directed home by God.
0: The story of the Magi is really an amazing story, both for what the scriptures tell us and really for the things that the scriptures don't say. You know, when we study the Bible, we realize that we don't know very much about these unlikely Christmas characters. And sometimes what we think is in the Bible really isn't there Anyway, uh, first, uh, although the Magi are included in just about every nativity scene that has ever been sold, uh, they, they weren't actually at the manger. The, the Bible records them showing up to a house where Mary and Jesus were, and, and they probably didn't worship a, a baby. Jesus was more likely a year or two old based on the timeline that we get from the Magi's conversation with King Herod. But regardless, their story is a part of the broader Christmas story and an important one at that, which I hope you'll see as we go along. But we also don't know much about where they came from. In verse 1, it says that these magi came from the east. Well, they, did they come from Highland? I mean, that's to the east. Or, or may, maybe from China. That, that's further east. Well, uh, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Most historians believe they, they probably came from uh, somewhere in the uh, present-day Iran or Iraq area. Hundreds of miles, maybe even a thousand miles across the desert from Bethlehem. Neither do we know much about what they did. We know that they studied the heavens They were astrologers of some sort. That's pretty clear from what the scriptures say. But we don't know what they were. Some say they were kings because of the very, very expensive gifts that they brought and laid before Jesus' feet. But the Bible doesn't clearly say that either. But for all the things that we don't know about the Magi, we do know how many there were. Uh, There were four, right? You know this, don't you? Uh, There were four. We know this because uh, one brought gold, befit for the king of kings. One brought frankincense, which is a uh, a kind of an incense that's burned in places of worship. For this uh, king was to be worshiped as God. And one brought myrrh, an embalming spice, signifying that this king would suffer and die. And the fourth wise man, well... Well, I don't know, maybe you've seen what he brought. This is a a far side cartoon. It reads, unbeknownst to most theologians, there was a fourth wise man who was turned away for bringing fruitcake. That's right. If you don't hear anything else that I have to say tonight, know this, you don't want to be that guy or that gal who brings fruitcake to the Christmas party. Okay, Uh, now uh, to to be serious, I I had a good fruitcake once. It was a long, long time ago. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, though, we, we don't know how many wise men there were. The Bible doesn't tell us. Some say a dozen, because that's the typical caravan, the smallest typical caravan uh, size that could make a trip across the vast wilderness. Some, some suggest three, because that's how many different gifts had been brought. Uh, but, but here's the deal, the Bible never confirms uh, that there were three wise men. Not only that, but we have no idea what what their names are. You know, somewhere along the way, somebody wanted to sing an opera or or write a a play about the wise men. In fact, we had a great play uh, about the fourth wise man uh, and his fruitcake uh, here at church a few weeks ago. Uh, But somewhere along the way, uh, somebody wanted to write an opera or play, and so they needed to pick a number for these guys, and they needed to give them names. Uh, But those names aren't anywhere in the scriptures either. For all we know, one of their names really could have been Anadar. Uh, But but here we've got these wise men. We don't know their names, don't know how many there were. We don't know what they did. We don't know where they're from. We don't know much about them at all. But here's what we do know. They were on a long journey. They, They followed the signs that God gave them. And they found what they were searching for. More, more like they found who they were searching for. And the Old Testament book of Jeremiah says that you, you can be assured of the same thing. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, God says, you will, uh, when you search for me, you will find me when you search with all of your heart. Here's my theory, and this is just my guess as to why the Bible doesn't tell us much about these guys, why, why the scriptures are so vague on their specifics. I think these nameless magi are really meant to be universal seekers. So so that you and I can relate to them. So that people from all backgrounds, all places, all cultures, all experiences can see themselves in their journey to Jesus. So that all people can relate to them. And say something like, hey listen, there was nothing really special about these guys. They were outsiders. They, they were from far, far away. They, they followed the signs that God gave them and they found what they were searching for. Maybe I can too. You know, in the Bible, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless, the Father, unless drawn by the Father who sent me. You know why you're here tonight. Because no matter who you are, God is drawing you to Jesus. So how will you respond? You can find what it is that you're looking for. You know, maybe like the wise men, you consider yourself an outsider. Maybe like them, you've been on a really long life journey. Maybe like them, you have done your absolute best to just kind of read the signs that God has placed in your path. Maybe like them, you've Even gotten lost along the way. Remember, they ended up in Jerusalem when Jesus was really in Bethlehem. They took a little bit of a detour on their journey. Let me ask you this Could it be, just entertain this with me for a minute, could it be that God is drawing you to Him tonight? Well, what if that's the case? I mean, really, what what if that's true? What are you going to do about it? And no, nobody else can choose for you. You're responsible for your own response to the tug of God on your heart. Nobody else can do it for you. What's stopping you? Please, don't let the obstacles dictate your response to God leading you. Don't let fear or insecurity or, or pride or, or, or any of the many circumstances possibly difficult circumstances that you've faced in your life or, or a reputation or any of that stuff keep you from responding to Jesus this Christmas. And God sent his son so long ago. God sent Jesus because he loves you. But that's only part of the story. You know, Jesus came in an unexpected way to draw out an unexpected response from you. God is reaching out. How will you respond? Your response really is the rest of the story. My encouragement to you this evening, my hope and my prayer is simply this, that you will respond. Here are some ways that you could respond. Respond like the wise men who, who came to the foot of Jesus and more than the gifts that they brought, they, they gave Jesus their hearts. They gave Jesus their worship. Will, will you do the same? I mean, this response of yours really matters. It can change the direction of your life in, in, in awesome ways. Forever. Around here, we call that choice of giving your heart to Jesus. We call that beginning your journey with Jesus. Maybe tonight is the perfect time for you to begin your journey with Jesus. And if you're beginning a journey with Jesus, or or maybe, maybe you say, you know what, I started a journey with Jesus a long time ago, but I've taken some wrong turns. I've made some detours. And maybe you feel like it's time to get back on the path in your journey with Jesus. Regardless, uh, whether you're starting a journey or getting back on the path, a great next step for you is to get connected in a church community, to be regular in worship. And, and I really uh, especially want to invite you uh, even just next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, I'll be uh, teaching and, and sharing about uh, a message of, all about discerning God's will. Just answering the question, how do we know what God wants us to do? And really, I I hope that next week will help each of us get 2018 off on on the right foot. And then I want to make sure that you're invited back in January. We're starting a new series called The Worst Things Jesus Never Said. Uh, because uh, so often Jesus gets misrepresented. We think things are in the Bible. We think he said some stuff. We heard some people say it one time, um, and really, it's not there. Kind of like we're discovering there's a whole bunch of stuff that we thought was the truth about the Magi, and it's really not in the Bible. Uh, So in January, we want to set some things straight, starting with the myth that Jesus said God will never give you more than you can handle. You've probably heard that before. Maybe you've even said it to somebody as an encouragement, and yet the truth is it's a myth. Jesus had never said it, and and it's nowhere in the Bible. Uh, But we're going to discuss that uh, starting in a couple of weeks. But even more than attending church on Sunday, we really just want to help you get connected to a community of other people who are also on this journey with Jesus. It is so important to be on a journey with others, and so we'd love to help you get connected Uh, to this church, and maybe even to a journey group, which we're starting up some new ones in the new year. And you can learn more about those in uh, a monthly newsletter and and weekly uh, email newsletter. Uh, but, of course, I recognize that some of you uh, are just visiting town. You, you live from a far, far away land, wherever that might be. Uh, but we're, we're really glad that you're here. Obviously, you can't get really connected um, in this church. And, and, and I, still, I know still others of you are, are deeply a part of this church. And you're on this journey with Jesus. And you're maybe already in a journey group. And, and yet, I, I want you all to know that, that God is still drawing you. God has you here to speak to you and to invite you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And his invitation still requires a response. Uh, I I don't know each of your stories. I, I don't know the long journey that you've been on. I don't know the temptations that you face or what pressures or anxieties or crossroads you find yourself at presently. But I do know the response that God longs for you to make. One of wholehearted trust in Jesus. Will you put your hope and your trust in him? Will you give over your anxieties, your fears, and follow his ways? In him is healing. In him is peace. In him is is joy. God has been drawing you. But if you want to grow closer to God, your response matters. But also hear this, no matter how faithful your response is to God, and believe me, I am praying that you will have a faithful response to God, but no matter how faithful your response is, it can't compare to Jesus' faithful response to you. And herein lies the greatest miracle of Christmas. That is that God didn't wait. God didn't wait for, for you or me, or or all of humanity to respond faithfully to him. He didn't wait. In fact, he abandoned everything in pursuit of you and me and and all people when we were far, far from him. Jesus let go of his majesty. Jesus let go of the comfort of heaven in order to come down to earth, to enter into our humanity and, and into the brokenness of this world, which, friends, is is significant. You and I both know that the brokenness is real. It presses in. It's, uh, it can be overwhelming at times. It's unbearable at times. But Jesus entered into our pain. He entered into our struggles. The light of the world stepped down into our darkness, and he did so out of his great love for us. His response was faithfulness even when our response was anything but. The light of the world stepped into our darkness. And the Bible says that, that if we respond by opening our heart and receiving the light of Christ, then the Bible says that, that we can become children of God, adopted into his family. So tonight, as you consider God's faithfulness, God sending his son, the light of the world, into our darkness? Respond. Respond by receiving his light into your life and know that no matter what your resume, no matter what your background or your beliefs or or the baggage that you carry from the, the pitfalls along your journey, when you receive his light, you can be called a child of God. So would you pray with me tonight? Well, oh, Father in heaven, here we are again, another Christmas Eve. This night, which represents the dawn of your redeeming grace. God, thank you for your faithfulness when ours falls woefully short. Thank you that your light shines into our darkness and, and gives us peace and Hope and love and joy, and even new life. Father, it is impossible to fathom the depth of your love for us, but my sense is we feel it most profoundly on, on nights like this. When we're reminded and our, and our hearts grasp, even just in a moment, a brief moment, the miracle of Jesus stepping down from heaven into our world, whether that's through a song or a scripture or a word spoken or possibly even in the stillness of light snow falling on our drive home. When we grasp just even a taste of that miracle of Jesus stepping down from heaven into our world, Lord, we don't want to miss it. So we pray by the power of your spirit working in us that we would have the humility and yes, the courage to respond by putting our hope and our trust in you afresh even in this moment. On this most holy and silent night, Lord, may the light of Christ fill us and radiate out of us into this world oftentimes lost in darkness. We pray in the name of Jesus that babe born to set his people free. And the people of God said, amen.